Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Managing Editor James Kleiman to talk about insights from the MBA Secondary and Capital Markets Conference, which is going on now in New York City, especially the opening comments by MBA President and CEO Bob Brooksmith. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking with Melinda Wilner, Chief Operating Officer at UWM, about PA+. Melinda, what is PA+, and why did UWM decide to roll this out? PA Plus is a new service for us to help loan officers with processing an entire loan. So it takes a lot of time to gather documents, to review them closely. And what we do is uh, we look at initial disclosures. We get uh, documents from the borrower, both up front and then anything that comes in after the underwriter. We take the loan all the way through closing, schedule that closing date and get docs out to the borrower and see the entire thing all the way through. So we're excited. It's a great way to help our brokers scale and to focus on the things that they do, like growing their business and getting leads and bringing in new customers while we take care of the back end of things. Thank you, Melinda. And listeners, you can find out more at uwm.com. James, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, good to be back. We are both at the MBA Secondary um, Conference right now. Um, We are recording this from there. And what I wanted to talk to you about um, was the presentation that Bob Brooksmith um, gave this morning because um, he came out swinging and uh, it was it was interesting to hear. So would love your take on that and the fact that he really, um, you know, even said, hey, this is maybe me being more pugnacious than normal, um, just calling out some of the things that he felt like he needed um, to talk about. Yeah, he, he was definitely coming out and swinging, as you said. And uh, I think it was really a lot of the same complaints that he's been making pretty consistently over the last year. And I I think they very much target the regulators. And in many of his speeches over the last year, they single out the CFPB. And do not get me wrong, they were absolutely (laughs) uh, the the most noted in this speech, this pretty fiery speech. Uh, But there were other players as well, the Department of Justice, for uh, a case that they filed regarding uh, lenders' liability for appraisal bias and discrimination. Um, and, and there were some other points as well. And I think what's really interesting in this speech is the audience is a little bit different than NBA annual, which is, you know, more of a big tent mortgage. And this is very specific. This is, you know, capital markets folks. This is people who are, you know, really kind of in, in the less understood corners of the mortgage market. And that said, if you look at who's in attendance, it's a lot of the big names in government. You know, the, the folks at Ginny are here, the FHA. You've got a lot of people in the policy realm that attend these events here in New York. And I think that this speech was definitely targeted at those folks. I agree with you. And I feel like, um, you know, he started out by saying, listen, you know, there's a lot of pain in the industry right now. And it seems like uh, those folks in D.C. don't care. They know. It's not that they're um, unaware of the pain that they're causing um, through different policies. And even, in fact, you know, the larger economic picture aside, they're okay with, you know, adding some regulatory things right now Mm -hmm. when, when volume is so low. And obviously, it's really hard to stay in business. Yeah, absolutely. You look at some of the policies specifically that he pointed out. I already mentioned the appraisal 
uh, bias liability issue with lenders. He also talked about uh, the CFPB and this uh, unilateral push for prudential standards for non-banks, including IMBs and mortgage servicers, and, and essentially adding another layer of oversight out to the IMBs. And, and he also makes mention that, look, we're, we're just kind of emerging from this banking failure crisis, and it's given rise to a lot of rhetoric, a lot of conversations in Washington about regulating all of these entities and, you know, who wasn't responsible for First Republic, for Silicon Valley Bank, the IMBs, they have nothing to do with it. And and so he felt, he said that they're, they're being tarred despite having nothing to do with this. And we're at an interesting moment because it's it's so difficult right now in the housing industry, in the mortgage industry, and and one would expect the policymakers, the politicians, uh, the people at the, the government agencies that are supposed to work with the mortgage uh, players, and instead it's it's a all stick no carrot. And look at the most recent MBA report. It's what thirteen thousand one hundred something dollars to originate a mortgage. You keep adding these layers of regulation and enforcement, and making it more and more difficult. And how many lenders will be left? Well, and, and one of the points he made was like. Who is going to do these loans if the IMBs, you know, if you make it too hard for IMBs and as more of them, you know, are struggling or going out of business, who exactly is going to be taking these loans? The banks only take these loans for the people that they, you know, yes, they can do it for their depositors, but they don't want to touch mortgage with a 10-foot pole. They've made that really clear. Yeah, I mean, they, they have their special purpose credit programs, right? Something a little bit beyond the government insured or packed mortgages, but we're talking like... 1%, 2%, you know, it's it's a very small drop in a very big bucket. And if you don't have the IMBs, which by the way, uh, the MBA makes a lot of, uh, they, they've taken a lot of pains to uh, come out and say they are strong. These are not risky uh, companies. The, the nature of their business is not likely to fail. It, they're not like the banks. They're not these depositories that have very fragile business models when they get over their skis, right? So that doesn't mean that all of them are going to be okay. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, but but those are different reasons. Um, and, and in large part, I, I think he's saying it's it's because of what you guys are doing. It's, it's because of these ridiculous policies that are just making it more difficult for a well-run company to actually operate. And, and I think it's something like four of the last eight quarters, the average IMB's lost money. How long can they go on and do that? And he also did make mention that they have had a few pretty key political victories, right? The LPAs are massively important for the industry. Really, the DTI factor, I think more than anything, certainly you're, you're going to hear some grumbling at this conference about the LPAs and how you know it affects secondary as, as much as it does primary. But But that is probably the best example of the NBA being able to throw its weight around and still negotiate and, and still make enough of a fuss that you know, Sandra Thompson or whomever will reconsider some of the policies that they say, we just, we just can't do this. It's, it's unworkable. Agreed. That is a, a victory that they should be talking about because I mean, it was freaking everybody out. <laughs> it was like, this is not the time to do that. And, and I do think it's interesting. Um, you know, you talked about the, uh, the appraisal part, the CFPB and the fact that, um, the CFPB and the Department of Justice, you know, added a, a statement of interest um, mm -hmm. to the uh, appraisal lawsuit that's going through um, against Loan Depot. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things that Bob said, too, is like, you know, lenders cannot be held responsible 
should not be held responsible for an appraiser appraiser's bias. How are they supposed to know? And this is a question we've had and asked the CFPB to give us more detail on what exactly that looks like. It's very it's very vague, but somehow you know the lender is supposed to be able to. Um, know this ahead of time, not work with that appraiser, or when the appraisal comes back, knows that somehow there's appraisal bias baked in. And so we've asked very specifically, is there some sort of litmus test you're looking for? What is the tipping point? Is sure. there a percentage off of the the what would typically be, um, you know, what you would expect? And, the, you know, they, they have not commented on that. They've chosen not to comment on that. Meanwhile, leaving lenders to feel like, okay, they're on the hook for all of it. Yeah, and, and I, th- I think... Another great question to ask is, why would a lender want there to be appraisal bias? Right. Like, how are they incentivized to ignore it or to passively acknowledge that this is just something that happens in the industry and something that is not our problem? And they're they're underwriting the loan. They're ultimately responsible if it's overvalued or undervalued, right? So they're... (laughs) <laughs> they're disadvantaged in both situations. It, it really defies logic. And I'm surprised that uh, that that case is going the direction it seems to be going. Yeah. He, you know, he, he called that out and I think it was, he was right too. He also, you know, said, listen, uh, it feels like we're sort of the whipping boy. He, he didn't use those exact um, words, but it's kind of like, you know, who, who did a great job in the pandemic? Uh, lenders and servicers. Yeah. I mean, as opposed to the financial crisis, which, you know, we, we've, we've all taken the, the beatings for that over all these years. But like in in this case, in the pandemic, who stepped up and who was able to serve the American homebuyer during this? Yeah, it was the lenders. And in turn, I, I think the servicing as well went much better than really anybody expected. And there were some politicians who <laughs> correctly gave some credit to the the mortgage and, and the housing finance industry, but we're now at a very different time politically, it would seem, right? We're post-COVID legally, uh, politically, at least as well. And the, the tenor is quite a bit different. And I think there are a lot of questions to be asked as to what is the future with the MBA politically? If Washington becomes more divisive, how does a more centrist organization like the NBA navigate very choppy political waters? They can't be too far to the left. They can't be too far to the right. And Washington is neither right now. So where does that leave the mortgage industry from a lobbying perspective? That is a really great question. You know, I had um, uh, the FHFA on a couple of weeks ago talking specifically about the LLPA changes. And, you know, one of the things that they talked about is like, and, and if you look at a, a totally different subject, appraisal modernization, these are all really long timelines. I mean, sure. these are people who have been working on this for, you know, 10, 15 years. And this happens to be the time that some of those things are going in play. On, in, in other ways, there are other things, other policies. It's like, why couldn't you hold off until, you know, it's it, people aren't losing money with every loan? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just feels like that's kind of a common sense thing to do. Right. And we don't have as much insight as we would like into the political process from say, you know, the white house or the cabinet level as that trickles down to Sandra Thompson or, you know, the FHA. And so we don't know what their timelines were, right? Because they, they do have uh, in the white house an initiative, a very clear, I think policy direction to make what they believe is more equitable housing choices available for people. And that affects the GSEs that affects the underwriting that affects, we didn't even mention this, but one of the points in Bob's, Bob Brooksmith's speech is about the agency buybacks, the loan buybacks. And we reported, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago now at this point, that 
Fannie and Freddie are dinging lenders for every single underwriting defect, no matter how minor they are. And so we're looking at loans that were originated when interest rates were two eight, two nine, three, three one, right? And now you're forcing that company to buy it back, double the interest rate. And they're already, you know, in all other aspects of origination, losing money on loans because the cost originated so high. And how far back are they looking to do that? Like in, in the reporting, did it say, you know, this mainly COVID era? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's basically the COVID era. So 2020 and 2021 are mostly done and they're starting to, to get into the 2022 season. So, you know, hopefully because 2022 was a little bit different in terms of underwriting, the volume was not nearly as high. It wasn't the fast and the furious. It was mostly just the furious, right? So <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, hopefully the, the underwriting, you'll find fewer defects. But again, we're talking minor stuff. We're not talking, you know, somebody has completely, uh, you know, misinterpreted the selling guide and that loan should be, you know, at a... 20% LTV and it's 50, right? Absolutely. And that, that's the kind of thing that we even pointed out um, at the at the beginning of COVID when, uh, when it came to servicing. We were like, listen, you know, they were looking to servicers to to jump in and do this on the fly in, a, in an environment where people were not, um, you know, in the office, had to, had to make all these things. And, w- and what the government said was like, what the agency said, we'll, we'll take that into account. I know this yeah. is different. So this, we're not talking about servicing. We're talking about under, you know, uh, originating and underwriting, but it's that same sort of thing where it's like, there's, there should be good faith if, if people are jumping in to do what they need to do. Yeah. And I think the agencies were pretty patient, um, but their patience <laughs> only extends so far. And we don't know how much pressure they're receiving from the FHFA and from, people even above the FHFA, right? So it's it's hard to say. Uh, and at this point, we just know that the the MBA and a lot of other stakeholders in the industry are, are that, that seems to be their new fight, the big fight right now. Yeah. Well, let's, um, so that was um, just the, that was the opening presentation for this conference. We have a lot more coverage coming. What are some of the things that uh, Flavia Ferlan Nunez, um, our reporter that's here with you, um, what is she going to be covering? So she's going to be covering the uh, government lending updates. So that's a conversation between Sarah Edelman, John Bell, Ingrid Ripley, David Sheeler. Uh, we're, of course, going to be writing up uh, what's what's going on with the GSEs. And uh, we've got quite a few other uh, updates happening. So we've got staying financially viable in a tough mortgage market, it's with Marina Walsh and Nupananda, Jeff Newfield, Philip Rassori, Alex Rosenblum, Terry Schmidt. So a lot of a lot of big names there. And then tomorrow, we've got quite a few happenings as well. So it's uh, it's always busy here at the NBA. They they stack a lot of meetings between nine and three, and then you know everybody. <laughs> I guess spends forty five dollars at TGI Fridays in Times Square on a margarita. I don't know. <laughs> no doubt, that's exactly where everybody. I is. hope that's where they're going. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe going to see a show. Or I, I know there's a ton of parties going on too. No, go to go to the TGI Fridays. <laughs> it's the place to go. Well, James, thanks so much for talking through this uh, with me. I know that uh, we're going to have Bob on next week to to kind of delve into this and and also hopefully hear some of the feedback he's gotten after, you know, did he have any feedback from that? So thanks for being on. Thanks. 
Hi, I'm McKenna Clay, Events and Program Specialist here at HW Media, and I wanted to invite you to our upcoming event this summer. A theme we've heard from housing leaders this year is the importance of relationships to not only survive, but be strategic in 2023. And that's why we decided to invite the top C-suite executives and leaders in mortgage to join us at Gathering of Eagles in Austin, Texas from June 18th until 21st. Now, Gathering of Eagles has historically been exclusive to the nation's most elite brokerage, association and team leaders, and C-suite leaders. But for the first time this year, we're opening up the audience to include execs from mortgage, title, and insurance so that you can connect and build vital partnerships for your business. If you want to learn more, visit the events page on realtrends.com and you can get registered today to come hang out with us in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.